Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call Sent Us. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm ready! Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com. For the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And today's show is going to lead off with, of course, the big news of Jordy Nelson's broken ribs. And then we will go over Sunday's 38-13 victory over the Giants. But first, I would like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On Giants, and Locked On Cowboys. You want perspective on the playoff games. And of course, please check out my work over at PackerReport.com. We've got some more videos up from the NFL with some highlight packages. And I've got a couple stories about Jordy Nelson and the release of Mike Pinnell. And with that, let's get on with the show. With first down and the big injury news from Sunday, of course, would be Jordy Nelson. With about 11 minutes to go in the second quarter. As you recall, Aaron Rodgers threw a pass downfield to Nelson. Nelson bobbled the ball. I couldn't tell if it was tipped by cornerback Eli Apple or if his hand just kind of got in the way of of Nelson seeing the ball. Either way, Nelson juggles the ball and just gets drilled in the ribs by giant safety Leon Hall. Uh, We looked at the play on the NFL game pass yesterday, and it is clear that Hall led with his helmet. I got a a still shot over at Pack Report that goes with the story. And that shows it's uh, Hall's forearm. But it's kind of an in-progress version of the play. And if you read the story, about halfway through the story, I actually have a picture from the from the Fox TV coverage. And it is Hall's head first, the crown of his helmet, into Nelson's ribs. And then only later does the forearm go up. No flag. Hall's going to get fined a lot of money. But I guess that's neither here nor there. The blow drove Nelson probably five yards um, off to the side of the field into the Packers bench area where he's immediately treated. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Nelson sustained at least two broken ribs. Um, we talked to Mike McCarthy about it on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, McCarthy said that he would let Jordy Nelson discuss whether there was any internal damage. Um, I don't suspect Nelson's going to talk to us this week. Um, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. You'd sometimes uh, foolish to speculate about these kind of things, but, but he did spend the night in the hospital, McCarthy said, which makes you think that it's probably, I shouldn't say probably, that there's perhaps more than just broken ribs, and I, you should say the word just with quotation marks around it, but that there's the potential there of being more than just broken ribs. McCarthy would not rule out Nelson from playing on Sunday against the Cowboys. To do so, he would have to practice on Saturday. Um, my question here would be, is that real, is that real confidence? Well, maybe not real confidence, a, a real possibility that Nelson could practice on Saturday and play on Sunday, or is that McCarthy just kind of being convenient here? 
uh, in the terms of gamesmanship. Um, by laying out this outline, McCarthy's kind of taken this off the table for us as a, something he really has to answer because we're going to talk to him on Wednesday morning. We'll talk to him before Wednesday's practice, and we'll talk to him before Thursday's practice. Obviously, he's, not, he's already said he's not going to practice on those days. And then we talk to him early Friday morning. And whenever we talk to him on Friday morning, he always says, well, I haven't talked to the medical staff yet. We have our medical meeting later today. So we're not going to get any answers from McCarthy on Friday. And, of course, we don't get to watch Saturday's practice, and we don't have any access with the team on Saturday. So basically, McCarthy gets to kick this entirely down the road for, I, for possible gamesmanship with the, for the Cowboys. And I'll, I'd assume they'll have to prepare as if Nelson could play. So it's smart by McCarthy. I'm certainly not being critical of it. And McCarthy's playing by the letter of the law. I mean, he doesn't have to answer for his players, especially on a Monday. And, you know, it's, and it's always been his... Uh, always been his custom to let's say you know let the players discuss the specifics of injuries he said there's a rib injury and again by the letter of the law uh, McCarthy said what he has to say that Jordy Nelson has a rib injury and that will show up on the injury report but as far as there being any internal damage or or if he's actually going to practice on Saturday or if there's actually a real chance that he'll play on Saturday you know McCarthy doesn't have to tell us and I'd probably if I was in his shoes I'd probably handle it the same way so let's say Nelson doesn't play probably a, a pretty good bet here how do the Packers move on? Well, you know what? They moved on good against the Giants. Remember, last year, was a, I outlined all this on a, at a story at Pack Report, which I'd highly encourage you to go check out if you're, a, if you're a Pack Report member. And if you're not, then why in the hell aren't you, for gosh dang it? Um, but look, here, here's the stats in the Giants game. Devontae Adams, eight catches, 125 yards, one touchdown. Randall Cobb, five catches, 116 yards, three touchdowns. Jared Cook, five catches, 48 yards. They had plenty of answers in that game. And you go back to the to the Detroit game where Geronimo Allison caught four catches and, and caught four passes and flew with 100 yards in that game. And, you know, on, on Sunday against the Giants, Kristen Michael ran for 47 yards. The week, the week before that against Detroit, Aaron Rupkowski ran for, I think, 61. You know, I talked about this after that Lions game. This team has a lot of ways to move the ball. And I go back to that first touchdown drive against the Lions where every single yard of a 71-yard touchdown drive was provided by Jared Cook, Richard Rodgers, and Aaron Ripkowski. There are no passes to Jordy Nelson. There are no passes to Devonta Adams. There are no passes to any wide receiver. Uh, Randall Cobb was inactive. And yet the Packers moved the ball. And no time Montgomery didn't touch the ball. Every single touch and every single yard by was by tight ends and the fullback. And that's where this offense has come. They've got a lot of ways where you can move the ball, and they're going to obviously need all those ways against the Cowboys on Sunday. So, you know, the offense stunk last year, and the offense stunk because it didn't have Nelson. But it wasn't just the Nelson thing. You know, Adams wasn't healthy. You know, Richard Rodgers, while had really good production, isn't a real threat. So Adams is a threat now. Jared Cook's a threat. And because there's more, more of a supporting cast around Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb actually has space to operate. So I think this team, as strange as it is to say, and I'm not diminishing Jordy Nelson, and clearly they have a better shot at upsetting the Cowboys on Sunday with Jordy. I think they'll be okay. I think the offense is going to be fine. 
You know, the Cowboys' pass defense isn't great. The pass rush isn't great. It's on turf. It's, it'll obviously be nice and roasty, toasty, warm inside. I think they'll be fine. As odd as that is to say, that you can be fine without 97 catches in, in uh, a league-high 14 touchdowns, but they've got so many ways to move the ball, and they've, they've found ways to cobble together good enough running games, not dominant running games, but good enough. You know, Rupkowski against the Lions. You know, Montgomery ran the ball well in the second half of that game. Against the Giants, Montgomery didn't do anything, but but Michael came in and gave him, gave him a real boost. So, it's certainly make this challenge against Dallas a lot harder, but I think they have the firepower, and of course they have the quarterback to pull this off. In this episode of Locked On Packers, is brought to you by my website, PackReport.com, home of the world's best preview. Last week's preview, nearly 6,000 words, and it's basically 20 stories all rolled into one. A must-read for any Packers fan. And Packer Report members also receive 10% discounts on tickets through Ticketmonster. And I'm talking Packers tickets, Badgers tickets, Bucks tickets, theme parks, theaters, you name it. And a couple of new members tell me that they received a whole bunch of money on tickets to the last Sunday's game against the Giants. And Packer Report members also receive 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics. And new or renewing annual members get one year of Sports Illustrated. And if your business would like to speak directly to Packers fans, the most loyal people on earth, you really should consider sponsoring this podcast with a growing listenership and great advertising rates. For the demographic information and all that kind of stuff, you can email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. That is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. All right, it's on a second down, and that is look at the Packers offense against the Giants, and talk about a tale of two games. For the start of this game, Aaron Rodgers stunk. He looked like he looked like a lot like the guy who struggled through the early parts of this year where he was just dancing in the pocket and looking for big plays and, and missing guys who were open underneath. It, through three series, the Packers had minus eight yards of offense. Minus eight. And that's with two first downs. It wasn't like they were totally stuck. They were getting first downs, but then they're just losing yards by the, by the gobs because Rodgers just kept taking sacks. The Packers had drive string at the Giants' 40, or excuse me, at their own 45 and their own 44 and got absolutely nothing for it. He got, the Packers got in the scoring position twice. Once, Rodgers took a long, long sack that knocked them out of field goal range. Another time, he took an intentional grounding call, which is just the worst thing you'd ever seen where he didn't have a single receiver to the left of the field. And yet he threw the ball the way on the left side of the field. It was just horrible awareness. And it looked like a guy who, had, who was frustrated, who looked rattled, who looked out of sorts. It looked like he had no interest in getting hit. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just turned on a dime. And it was the damnedest thing you'd ever saw where Rodgers was like this Way below. I mean, he looked like he looked like Connor Cook from the Raiders, who who had a quarterback rating of like twenty three against the Texans. Then all of a sudden, on that first touchdown drive, he fires a laser down the right sideline to Devonta Adams, and all of a sudden they're off and running from that point. And it was a display of one great pass after another. The pass protection was the protection was really good. You can make an argument. 
that four or five of the sacks were on Rodgers. You know, two of the sacks were Rodgers um, scrambling and, and basically running for, uh, I think he ran for zero yards once and ran for like minus one once. So those count as sacks too. But you, I mean, you could say that, you know, four, 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 either four of the sacks or all five of the sacks were on Rodgers. And it was, and it, what changes, we just started taking what was there. He took what was there. And in the offense got into a flow, and then he got he got into a rhythm, and he got more confident, and the way they went, it was a great display of football. Finally, and you, and you look at some of the performances. Adams, well, again, eight catches, 125 yards. He is a he is a whole new guy compared to last year, and he just he just kills people off the ball. That 31-yard touchdown, or that 31-yard step to touchdown, you know, it's you know, it's guys, it's uh, Eli Apples on him. He beats him at the line of scrimmage, and he you know, he wasn't he wasn't a super fast guy at the combine, but he wins so quickly that he gets on top of you, and then it's you know, it's game over, and and you got the big gain, and he was he was a real factor, you know, on short passes after the catch and and clutch plays, and and then of course Randall Cobb comes back. He had a zero key. He got hurt against Seattle. He played the next week and had zero catches. Then he was an active for the Vikings and Bears games. And then comes back, five catches, 116 yards, and three touchdowns. It was uh, quite the return. You know, the, the yak was there. You know, the, the Packers just destroyed the Giants over the middle. We kind of got into this in the podcast yesterday. They destroyed... I don't recall the Packers ever using so much play action. There's, there's a lot of bootlegs from Rodgers, and they just destroyed the Giants with bootlegs and, and stuff over the middle. And then Jared Cook, he is becoming a go-to guy for Rodgers, where in, in clutch in third-down plays, clutch situations, he goes to Cook. And Cook is so big and fast, he's a tough mismatch, and he's, you know, he runs so upright, you think he wouldn't be... Too much of a yak threat. I, I looked it up yesterday. He's averaging about five point, I think five point six yards of yak per catch, which is about two yards more than Richard Rodgers had last year. So he's a real factor there. Um, a couple of other noteworthy performances: one left tackle David Bakhtiari against Olivier Vernon. This this is best against best. Bakhtiari, second team All Pro. Vernon led the entire NFL on pressure, so he had you know quote unquote only. Eight and a half sacks, but he led the NFL on pressures. I remember, you know, I remember Vernon beating a box area for an early pressure, and then there was an outside run by Montgomery uh, in the first half that that Vernon um, beat Bakhtiari and strung it out and made the play. But otherwise, for the last two and a half, three quarters, it was Bakhtiari with a decisive victory there. And then it's Kristen Michael. Montgomery didn't get much done, but Michael, 10 carries, 47 yards, a 4.7-yard average. I mean, he just It's like he gets fired out of a cannon when he gets that ball. No, he's hard to tackle. He seems to have a pretty good feel of when to cut the ball back. You know, when he gets ahead of steam, he's, you know, he's, he's running through arm tackles and stuff. He's earned more of a say in this offense, and I wonder if, if you might see more of Montgomery at receiver. And God, the Packers ran Montgomery at wide receiver. A few times with where they line up at running back at first, and then he'd motion out into the slot or wherever. But they line up as a 
God, was it the fourth? Yeah, was it the fourth quarter? Um, well, I forget. Second half, anyways. It was Adams was out wide. Well, actually, I mean, Adams was on the kind of in the in the second guy of a three person group with Montgomery outside of him on the right sideline. Um, Adams kind of ran a stop route to kind of run a, a screen to, per se to Montgomery. Montgomery comes inside of Adams, catches the ball in the run for a catch and run gain of thirty four yards. I would think. It's probably one way to get around losing Nelson is use more Montgomery receiver, and he's, he has certainly earned more more of a say in this offense. And again, the problem with Mon- really the only problem with Michael is when he's in the game, chances are they're going to run the ball. I mean, he's never been a factor as a receiver, and he's never been a great pass protector. And I'm not sure where he is on on the checks at the line of scrimmage and all that stuff. You know, and that's that's the problem that you run into with with, with Michael. And it was really not is can he pass protect well enough to to protect riders if if a team blitzes and if, and if I was a defense in a passing situation, I see Michael, I'm going to blitz the guy and I'm I'm going to test him to see if he's up to the task. But but other than that, you know, he's been a real boost to this offense. Third down, the Packers defense. Pretty gosh darn good, and it starts with stopping the run, and this is obviously going to be key for, for Sunday's game against the Cowboys. The Giants finished 17 carries, 70 yards. Um, some of that skewed a bit by an 11-yard scramble by Eli Manning late in the game, a, a meaningless play in the grand scheme of things. Rookie Paul Perkins, who really had given a shot in the arm, 10 carries, 30 yards. And they're going to, obviously going to need this. We're going to face the NFL's top-ranked rushing attack. They're going to face the NFL's leading rusher with Ezekiel Elliott. The Packers did that on Sunday with no safety help, basically, because they had to keep uh, Morgan, Burnett, Morgan Burnett and ha, Clinton Dixon coverage to mitigate the uh, the Giants' passing game. So this is probably the best run defense the Packers have played. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the Houston game where they really shut down um, Houston's top running back, um, Lamar, Mur- or, uh, Lamar, Lamar Miller. And the, at the end of the day, the stats didn't look so good because they, they had some third down draw plays that were pretty effective. But you know, they played good run defense in that game. But good run defense has kind of been few and far between since that hot start. So a good sign there. And that got Manning into some tough situations. And you look at the the final stats, and I'm going to look them up right now. So, you know, I forgive you the rattling of papers here. Now, the Giants finished 5 out of 16 on third down, 31%. That's that's winning football. Eli Manning, 23 out of 44, 299 yards, one touchdown, one meaningless interception at, at the end of the game. But you look at the, the numbers, and where you, you, you know, I, here's, I, obviously, I picked the Giants to win. I picked the Giants to win, so I didn't think, I didn't think they'd be able to stop Beckham. Beckham. Four catches, 28 yards. It's four catches, 11 targets, 28 yards. Here's a guy who led the NFL in in 25-yard passing plays. A long gain of 11. Yeah, he he had a tough catch in the end zone. You know, you probably mark it down as a drop. That would have been a long touchdown against Gunter. He dropped a third down pass, I think, in the Giants' first possession, where he probably gets the first down there. So, I mean, he didn't play well. But let's not take it away from Gunter either, where you know Beckham has torched 
some really good corners in this league, and he'll torch some more again in this league. And Ladarius Gunter is up to the task. You know, I mean, other than a 41-yard touchdown to uh, Tavares King, where either Randall blew the coverage or Clinton Dix blew the coverage. You know, Demarius Randall played a good game. Micah Hyde in the slot played a good game. You know, otherwise, you know, other than getting beat by uh, Sterling Shipper for a gain at 26, but Shepard got his hands on the ball for a possible long touchdown in the end zone, but 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 Hyde was there and he had his arm in there and helped break that play up. You know, the Heath's played well. And in a and in a matchup where you figure that Green Bay is gonna have a long, long afternoon. What, what what more do you want? And I thought Randall, and this is obviously key going forward here, I thought Randall played better and better and better as that game went along, and, and Randall can talk into, until he's blue in the face about how he hasn't lost confidence through all the injuries. And the injuries, I think, have been really the major culprit in some pretty poor performances this year. I mean, he could talk. I mean, I talked to him for Friday, and he said, he said his confidence is fine and he'd be fine. And he, I thought he played better and better as Sunday's game went on. And here's, here's a couple, one more yeoman performance here. And again, I'm going to get to the paper here. Without Joe Thomas, I mean, losing Joe Thomas has been a big blow for this defense. I mean, he played through a back injury on Sunday against the Giants. Didn't do all that well. And that forced Jake Ryan to take on more of a role. And Ryan responded with probably the best game of his career. 12 tackles. Tells part of the story. The other part of the story, three passes defense. A team-high three. Tied with Demarius Randall for three, with, with the three. A couple plays downfield even where he was in position on tight end will tie. I mean, not a great... Not a great tight end by any means, but but there he was. I mean, he was in position to break up a pass to tie down the field. He's also in position to break up a to help break up a pass to Odell Beckham about twenty yards off field. So a really really good performance by Jake Ryan, and they need that a because Thomas is ailing, and b for all the things that we said about uh, Blake Martinez at the start of the year, he has not been very good. He's not been very good for a long time, and you know. I'm not saying he's gonna be. A, I'm not saying this is, pick's not gonna work out, and they need to go draft a linebacker. But you know, he's really been a disappointment here down the stretch. You know, he got beat. He got beat for a gain of 51. Where I mean, he gets beat for one, but then he misses the tackle, which turns a big gain in, into something much, much more. I mean, you you can't miss the tackle. I mean, you give you give him a 15 yard pass, whatever it was, okay, but make the tackle. He's missed a lot of tackles. The outside linebacker. Dayton Jones has played pretty well. I mean, you're, you're, at the end of the year, you're going to look at Dayton Jones' final stats and say, "Nah." But he led the league, and he led the league. He led the team in pressures. He led the team. I mean, more than Matthews, more than Peppers. Dayton's led the team in pressures. Had a couple more on Sunday. I mean, he might not be a closer, but he impacts plays. I don't know why he doesn't play more. I don't, and I don't know why. They keep running Kyler Fackrell out there. Fackrell hasn't done a darn thing all year, and he played like 15 snaps on Sunday. I know some of it, you got to keep Peppers fresh, and you got to keep, you know, try to keep Matthews fresh. So some of it's that, but, and I, you know, Nick Perry's playing with one hand and all that, but, I mean, this has kind of been an all year long thing where they keep running Fackrell out there, and he hasn't done a darn thing. You know, I think we all thought that the Fackrell pick was a, a projection pick more than a, we need him now picking. Like they didn't need him now anyway. Yet, 
entering there, you had Matthews and Perry and Peppers and Dayton Jones and, and you know even J. Ron Elliott. I mean, you didn't need Farrell to come in and play a lot this year. I mean, he's played a he's played a fair number of snaps with with almost no impact. So I I, I don't I don't I don't know why they played the guy a whole bunch, but they did. He you know fifteen sacks, and you look at the stat sheet. Absolutely nothing on defense. No tackles, no assisted tackles, no pressures, no quarterback hits. No nothing. And again, the, the secondary, the Yeoman's work, and you, you look ahead to Sunday's game against the Cowboys, where they, they, couldn't, they couldn't stop Elliott, and therefore they couldn't stop Dak Prescott, because again, it's second and five, it's third and two, and against that offensive line, forget about it. You've got no chance to rush the passer if you can't get him in a third long, so... What they did against the run game was was promising, and that Demarius Randall seemed to get better as the game went on is is even more uh, more promising heading into a divisional showdown against the top seeded Giants. And finally, that takes us to fourth down, and that'd be the special teams. Another really good performance for the special teams. I did my last edition of the Packer Report special teams rankings uh, for the world's best preview on Friday. Those are posted in the subscribers forums. Over at Pack Report, I know a lot of you guys have subscribed lately, and I thank you for that. And if you didn't know they were there, go check out the uh, Packers Pro Club form. I have the special teams rankings in there. I might actually write a story about that later today. But it's a snow day for my kids. It's snowing like crazy here in Green Bay, so I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to get done here early in the day. But again, a big win for the special teams. Kicker Mason Crosby, for one, runs a successful field goal streak up to 21 an NFL record. More, more stat stuff I'm looking up here. Jake Shum against Brad Wang at punter. You go into this game, this is a big advantage for the Giants. Shum's punted well. Wing's one of the best in the league. He was player of the league twice in December. He's got a strong leg. He like 28 punts inside the 20. But I'm watching warm-ups, and I tweeted this out during warm-ups. Brad Wing froze to death. I remember him coming out in warm-ups with a t-shirt. Trying to be the big tough guy. And he was terrible. He had one low, either his punts flat out stunk or he's kicking him 45 yards down the field with no hang time, just low rockets. And that, for the most part, is what he did on during the game. Wing punted eight times, a 39-yard average with a 32.8-yard net. Jacob Shum, a 41.2-yard net. You know, that's about 8.5 yards per uh, per punt on net punting. And I don't care about the regular punting average, which Shum won the net too, but the only, thing manage, the only thing that matters in punting is net punt because that is the field position change. So in every exchange of punts, the Packers won by 8.5 yards. Victory. And Green Bay's kickoff return which has been uh, not good all year. In Green Bay's kickoff coverage, which is the worst in the NFL pretty much all year, and, and I'm not talking um, by yards per return, I'm talking, again, starting field position. Um, the Packers' uh, kickoff coverage has been the worst in the year, for worst in the league for most of the year. You look at the stats, the Packers' average starting point, they're 33. The Giants' average starting point, the 24. So again, that's nine yards per kickoff return and eight and a half for every punt. Huge victories. And one more, Jeff Janis. 
Janice has been Janice was great last year. You could have argued that he could have but he could have been in the Pro Bowl last year again. I'm not going to pretend that I know special team standouts, so I'm not saying that he got screwed out of a Pro Bowl, but he would, he played to that level uh, as a gunner and his limited usage as a kickoff returner. He done nothing this year, absolutely nothing. On Sunday, he had a 33-yard kickoff return to give him some good field position. And again, hang on, throw the stats. And on special teams, he had two tackles. So a, a good all-around game there by Janice. Again, looking forward to Sunday. You've got to win on special teams. The Cowboys are just too damn good to beat them if you also lose on special teams. So a, a really, really strong performance from a unit that has gotten better and better and better during this winning streak. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.